Episode 68, Israel's Testimony. Although most of the people that Moses was giving his sermon to were alive, he was reminding them of the testimonies of God and what the Lord had done for them up until this point in their journey. Welcome to the History of the Bible. In the last episode, we introduced the book of Deuteronomy. And as we mentioned, the majority of the book is the spoken words of Moses to the people of Israel. He would start by describing the journey that the Israelites had taken up until the point where they currently made camp in the plains of Moab. The book of Deuteronomy starts in the first chapter, describing how the people of Israel became too numerous for Moses to lead all by himself. That is why he created a judicial system in which there were men below him that would hear different cases, and Moses would only hear the major ones. It would sort of be like modern day a judicial system and how it worked. You have the local judge, the city or county judge, the state judge, and then the Supreme Court or judge. Then Moses would appoint leaders over the tribes themselves. These were often the chiefs who were already in places of leadership in each of the tribes. When Moses is speaking to the Israelites in the plains of Moab, he doesn't talk much about the journey itself from Egypt up until the time that the spies would be sent into the land of Canaan. So the whole period from when the exodus through the Red Sea to Mount Sinai, where the golden calf incident and the Ten Commandments were given, all this is passed over by Moses, and he skips to the time that the Israelites arrived at the border of the Promised Land. This is when Moses sends in the twelve spies to go into the land to figure out the best route to begin conquering the land. However, when the spies came back from the land of Canaan, even though the fruit of the land was good and bountiful, the spies were stricken with fear fear of the people that lived in the land of Canaan. Because of this, they passed on a bad report of the land, although it was true in what they were saying. The spies were saying that the people in the land of Canaan were taller and greater than they were, and that they had cities that were fortified with walls reached the heavens. On top of that, the people who had also lived with them were the descendants of Anak, who were the line of giants. So Moses, along with Joshua and Caleb, tried to tell the people that despite the size and greatness of the people in the land of Canaan, the Lord was going to go before them, just like he did in Egypt, bringing them out of slavery. However, the people would not listen to the three men who were speaking on behalf of the Lord. Instead, they complained and only wanted to go back to Egypt or to have just died in the wilderness on their journey rather than be consumed by the giants of the land of Canaan. When the Lord heard the words of the Israelites, he gave them what they desired. The whole generation, men aged 20 years and older, would all get what they wanted, to die in the wilderness. Even Moses himself 
disobeyed the Lord by striking the rock for water to come forth rather than speaking to it. So the only two men who were alive during the Exodus and saw the conquering of the land of Canaan would be Joshua and Caleb. Of course, there may have been others who were under the age of 20 who would have seen the Exodus as little kids and then seen the conquering of the land start happening 40 years later. But they were not considered part of the generation that rebelled against the Lord. However, when the people of Israel heard that they were no longer able to go into the land of Canaan because of their rebellion against God, they tried to correct things. Coming before Moses, the people said that they had sinned against the Lord and that they were now willing to go and take possession of the land. Due to their rebellion, though, they're going to reap the consequences of it. The Lord told Moses to tell the Israelites they were not to go up and fight and take the land of Canaan because the Lord was no longer for this generation and taking the land. The Lord even told the people he wasn't with them in this endeavor and warned them that they would be defeated. Again, the Israelites have a knack for not wanting to listen to what the Lord is saying. So they rebelled against the Lord again by going up into the hill country on the southern border of the land of Canaan. The people that lived in the hills came down to meet them in battle. What were the results? The Israelites were defeated. And not only does it say that they were defeated by their enemies, the actual Hebrew word for it means that they were beaten down in the sense that a tool would crush something into fine powder. In other words, the Israelites were hammered by their enemies. When the Israelites returned from battle, they wept before the Lord. But the Lord did not listen to them because he had already told them what they were supposed to do. Go back into the wilderness. The Israelites would march right back in the direction that they came from to begin their wanderings in the wilderness until all the generation of men over the age of 20 died. This would be right about 40 years, a little less, 38 years in wandering. However, in the total length of the journey from Egypt to the land of Canaan, it would be over 40 years. In the sermons that Moses gave to the Israelites on the plains of Moab, he would skip over the period that the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. Instead, Moses skipped to the part of the journey where they were finally coming out of the wilderness. To this part, the majority of the people that he was speaking to in the plains of Moab would have been alive for this part of the journey and from here on out. Moses would pick up the story back at the part where the Israelites were not allowed to go through the land of Edom or the land of Moab, nor were they allowed to mess with them. This is the part of the journey where the Israelites asked permission to cross the Edomites and the Moabites' land. However, both people groups denied the Israelites' passage, even though the Israelites said that they would only stick to the road and buy all necessary food and water. It did not matter. 
The answer was still the same. No, the Israelites were not allowed to travel over the Edomites and Moabite land. So instead, the Israelites had to walk south, down the border of the Edomites, then east, and then back up north, all while skirting the border of the Edomites. Once going around the land of Edom, the Israelites would get on a road known as the King's Highway. It would run from the northern tip of the Gulf of Akiba, which is located in the Red Sea, and it would run north so that the other empires in the far north could be connected to Egypt and vice versa. Along this route, they would avoid going into the land of Moab. However, they would be confronted by two kings. The first would be King Shion. Moses asked to pass through his land, speaking words of peace and not of war. But Shion would not listen. Instead, the king gathered his armies against the Israelites. The battle would be waged. However, the Lord was for the Israelites this time when they defeated the king and his armies. But the Israelites didn't stop there. They would conquer the whole kingdom, not leaving a single person as a survivor. All men, women, and children were killed during the war. Only the livestock and the plunder from the cities were taken. Every city was captured by the Israelites, and it says that not a city was too high for them to take. Meaning that the cities and fortresses were often built on high mountains. This would provide a military advantage for those in the fortress as they had the upper ground. Despite the advantages of the cities, the Israelites were still able to conquer them. The next king that would come up against them would be Og. Og was ruler over a kingdom, not just a few cities here and there. Rather, 60 cities were under his kingship. The land that these cities were in was famous in ancient times for its forest, pasture lands, and fat animals because of the richness of the land. When the Israelites conquered all of the land of Ogs, it too was put to the sword, meaning that all of the men, women, and children were killed. Only the livestock was kept alive. The king himself, Og, is believed to be a giant. These two kings and their kingdoms were located on the right flank of the land of Canaan. So when they destroyed Og and Shion, the Israelites were removing potential threats on their right flank. This was a battle tactic that wasn't only used by the Israelites. Later on in history, the Romans would use it too. When Moses began to recant this story to the Israelites in the plains of Moab, even though they almost all were there for it, Moses is reminding them in the sermons of the faithfulness of God, despite how powerful the opposing army looked. Even with Og being killed, it's a reminder that they have faced giants and defeated them. Moses would continue to say in his sermons to the people that once the two kings were defeated, 
Their land was divided up between the two and a half tribes of Israel. The half-tribe of Manasseh, the tribe of the Reubenites, and the Gadites. This was to show the people that the conquering of the land in which they were to possess had already begun. There was nothing to fear for the Israelites when the Lord was with them. Moses would begin to wrap up his first sermon to the Israelites, sharing that Joshua would be the one to take the people over into the promised land to possess it. The only reason that it would be Joshua and not Moses is because of his disobedience to God when Moses struck the rock for water to come out, rather than just speaking to it. And just like Moses disobeyed the Lord and wasn't allowed to enter into the land of Canaan, those who had recently chased after the Midianite women and their foreign gods were all killed and not allowed into the promised land. This is where Balaam, the diviner, gave a word of advice to the Moabites and the Midianites. He said to entice the Israelites into cult worship by sending their women into the camp of Israel. This worked, and it was believed that ultimately 24 clans were destroyed because of their disobedience. And those clan leaders were impaled with a stake and left out in the elements as a warning to those around. So in turn, Moses reminds the Israelites to stay obedient to the Lord, to pursue him, and to make known who the Lord is to their children's children. Remind their descendants of what the Lord has done for them, bringing them into the land of Canaan to possess it as their own. Through knowing the Lord, the Israelites would become a light to the surrounding nations because no other fake gods are as close to their people as the Lord is with Israel. Moses would tell the Israelites to stay true to God, to not pursue other gods of the surrounding nations, or to make themselves any type of carved image they could worship. Otherwise, the consequences of going after other gods would be the removal of the Israelites from the promised land. The Lord would keep his promise to get them into and possess the land. But it is the personal responsibility of the Israelites to choose to follow the Lord. Moses tells the tribes that if they get scattered throughout the surrounding nations because they didn't pursue the Lord, if they turn and seek him in that nation, then the Lord would bring them back in and not forget his promise. Moses would wrap up his sermon by telling the Israelites that they were in rare company. No, he wasn't talking about himself. Rather, Moses was talking about the Israelites being able to hear the voice of God and still be alive to tell about it. Or, the fact that the Israelites were led out of Egypt, not by their own doing, but solely because God did it. The Lord was the one that brought the signs and wonders upon Egypt, one of the superpowers in the world, and it was laid low by their God. 
other kings and their armies were destroyed before the Israelites because the Lord fought for them. The Lord spoke to the Israelites directly from the fire on the mountain and the people lived through it. No other nation's gods or goddesses would allow for such closeness to them from regular people. The Lord did. The amazing part about it all is that the Lord wanted to be close to his people. All these things that the Lord did was to show the Israelites that he was for them, that he wanted a relationship with them. All of these things that the Lord did, he did so to show the Israelites that he was for them, that he wanted a relationship with them. All that the Israelites had to do was keep the commandments of the Lord. This would conclude the first sermon by Moses and that he gave to the tribes of Israel. Really, the history that Moses told the people was not so much just a review of the journey, but of the testimonies that the Lord had already done for the people. Sometimes, in order to move forward with the Lord, all we have to do is remember where we have come with him. This is what Moses was doing for the Israelites, telling the people's testimonies back to them. As mentioned, this concludes the first sermon of Moses that he gave to the Israelites in the plains of Moab. In the next episode, we will begin going over the second sermon that Moses gave to them. So join us next time in episode 69, Israel's Covenant. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile. Thanks for listening to the History of the Bible. Let's get the word out by liking, rating, and following the show. This episode was produced by Nikeo Productions. To check out other shows, search for Nikeo Productions wherever you listen to podcasts.